Southern Soul Livestream is a weekly talk show and music hangout where the hosts learn your name and just might remind you of a favorite relative. We spotlight fascinating people, discuss current events, and pay special attention to lifting up generations. So if you want to know more, learn more, be more, or just be, Southern Soul Livestream is the place for you. Join us every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Just log on, kick back, and experience the eclectic vibe. Check us out at soullivestream.com. Arva, welcome tonight. What is up? Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. And you know, I love the trivia thing. So uh, yeah, y'all did make it harder for me tonight, (sighs) but I was not foiled too much. I have no words. So what, what's your secret, Arvind? Like, how in the world have you won, like, 90% of our trivia game? <laughs> like, you, you want to give us a hint, you know, some sort of insight, scoop? Uh, I don't have any. There's no secret. Uh, just, I don't know. There's no secret. Just, mm-hmm. uh, I think about it and, and shoot my shot. I think she has an inside scoop. I think, you know, <laughs> maybe, you know, she gets with Katie before the games and then she kind of gets the answer. Not that. No. Well, it, I'm, I'm excited tonight about our conversation because as we were preparing for this, you know, I discovered that we had something in common, a love of language. Yeah. The funny thing, people can't tell about my country grammar, Right. That I love language. They can't tell that I studied four years of Spanish, three years of Latin, and I consider myself a word excavator. You know what that means? That's when you take the word, break it apart into its pieces and say, what did that word come from? Right. The prefix and the suffix. And I love words and I love language. I also love culture, too. So that's why I love my country grammar. But mm-hmm. it's not about me tonight. It's about you, Arba. Tell us about you. Well, let me let me read your background first to, okay. to get, get us started. So let me tell you guys about Arba. As a professional corporate trainer with a passion for presenting and public speaking, Arva never met a stage she didn't like. With more than 25 years of experience teaching, training, and public speaking, and a background in linguistics, sales and performing arts, Arva has the experience to take your presentation, public speaking and communication skills to the next level. OMG, I <laughs> love it. So, 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 so Arva, tell me this, you know, you got started as a teacher, right? You yeah. know, tell us how you got started as a teacher, why you got started as a teacher and you know, what did you discover about that? Uh, Great. Thank you for asking. So I come from a very long line of teachers in my family. And when I went to college, I thought maybe I wanted to do like international business because, you know, I had that Spanish background. I I also took Spanish in high school, ended up getting my undergrad and graduate degrees in Spanish. So I, uh, I thought I wanted to do international business took a couple of classes and was like, "Mm -mm, no, this is not for me. So I said, I'll just do straight Spanish and that'll be it. And my dad actually said to me, he's like, you know, Arva, you should get your teaching certification. This can be a backup to whatever you decide to do. 
And if you don't know what you want to do, then at least you will have a vocation um, as a teacher. And, you know, coming from a long line of teachers, I said, okay, I can do that. So I did that. I taught one year of high school in Metro Atlanta. It wasn't for me. It, it, it just wasn't for me. I enjoyed the aspect of sharing something that I was passionate about. I enjoyed inspiring them to broaden their horizons and, you know, think about things from a different perspective, learning a new language and all of that. But what I didn't like was all the discipline problems and calling the parents and kids not doing their homework and all that. So that part just wasn't for me. But I did come back around to teaching in my career. So I, I left teaching after that one year. I went back to school and got my master's, you know, so I could hide out and decide what I really wanted to do. <laughs> and then I um, started working for the federal government. And in the course of my career there, I started giving workshops. And I was like, oh, this is great. This is all the things I love about teaching. And no parents to call, no discipline problems, no nothing. So that was how I got into from teaching to public speaking. And in my career now as a official corporate trainer, if you will, I've come back around to that and I love it. It, it is what I love to do. I eat, sleep and breathe developing curriculum, developing, de developing presentations, giving presentations, helping others to give presentations, all that. I eat, sleep, and breathe that. And so that's how I got into it. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. So what did you study when you were in grad school? I studied Spanish linguistics. Oh, so like you, I am a lover of words. I love how sentence structure is put together, syntax and grammar. And studying in another language helps you to learn better your own. So I, I just love it. Awesome, I also awesome. had to study some Latin in one of my graduate classes. It was called From Latin to Spanish. So it was great to see the evolution of the language. So that was yes, Latin, the foundation of language, which leads to others. It's it, it's beautiful, but I'm not going to go there because I just get excited. <laughs> so, 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 so let's get into your career, right? Okay. So tell us about, you know, your lessons of working with let's say managers and bosses, and I'm calling okay. these the bad boss and the micromanager boss. Tell us about that. Okay, great. So when I first entered government, I came in and I literally was the new kid on the block. I was the youngest person in the office. So as I like to do when coming into a new situation, I observe, I ask a bunch of questions, you know, I get the lay of the land and then I start thinking, okay, how can we do this better? Is there something that's missing and what can I offer? So I did that in my first few months actually of uh, working for the government. And I had a great director and a great mentor and a great boss who said, I came to them with ideas and I was like, oh, what if we did this? And they're like, great, run with it. So that led to several opportunities. I ended up moving from Atlanta to DC and had more opportunities. That's when I started giving the workshops. 
And then I was offered uh, a promotion and I took the promotion and this boss was a little bit different. It wasn't like, Hey, I have this idea. He never said, okay, yeah, run with that. He was more, um, what's the word? I hate to say micromanaging, but I think that was his management style. You know, he just wanted everything kind of like he wanted it and in his voice. And I found that so frustrating. I mean, so frustrating because, you know, I had something to offer and I felt like I couldn't do it. <laughs> I wasn't able to, to share. I mean, they were very happy with my work, but, but I wasn't fulfilled. And I learned something. I actually saw in action something my mom has told me every day of my life practically since I'm born, everything that you learned today, Arva, is not for today. So what I learned about carefully choosing your words and how to craft an email and how to talk to someone at OMB, the Office of Management and Budget, or how to talk to the higher ups, you know, senior leadership and all of that, all of those things that, that I learned in that job, they still serve me today. So in the end, I was really grateful for that experience that I had with that particular um, director, and it did serve me well. So there's always a silver lining in something. Well, you can always learn something. Well, thank you for sharing that because, you know, as you speak, I just think about the many, let's say, bad bosses. There's a book out there, good boss, bad boss. That's why you use the term bad boss or micromanagers, or people who just drive us crazy. And I like the way you describe it, right? Because the part that I think is relatable is the people who've had that experience of a manager or boss that has to have it done their way. And it can almost feel like you lose your voice because it's like, hey, I need to write exactly like this or do it exactly like this. Mm -hmm. But um, as my PhD friend said, she says, I've been writing my whole life. So I knew there was more than one way to do it. So mm -hmm. it seems like that kind of led to you finding your voice in a whole different way. What would you say? Uh, I would say, yes, um, it did. And I, I also had the opportunity to sort of to uh, talk to that director and say, you know what? I enjoy working here. I enjoy being on this team. And, you know, I really feel stifled. <laughs> so, you know, I, and, and I'm looking for a solution to that. And he was very open. You know, we had a very good rapport. You know, you can't just walk into the director's office and say, Hey, look, you know, I'm tired of trying to do it your way. It's, you can't do that. <laughs> you can't do that. You have to find the time and the place and the manner in which to make your request known and, and show them how it benefits them. So, you know, he was, um, he was gracious about uh, the conversation and the feedback. And, you know, he did try to say, okay, you know, I, I understand what you're saying and I'll try to step back, you know, looking at that, the difference between that job and the job that I had just left, it was still, you know, night, night and day, but as I said, it, it did serve me, um, but it did teach me how to deal with, I won't call that adversity because it was not an adversarial type of relationship or a working uh, relationship, 
but it did teach me how to ask for what I needed when I felt Mm. like I wasn't getting it. So. Awesome. Well, you know, as you were telling that story, it reminded me of one of my favorite books. It's called The Speed of Trust. And The Speed of Trust, you know, it's from the Franklin family, you know, Franklin Covey them. Mm-hmm. But it kind of talks about all of the extra stuff you run into when there's no trust in the mm-hmm. business relationship, such as micromanaging, such as do it my way, such as headaches. But it seems like to some extent, the person took you seriously. They mm-hmm. respected you. And essentially, it seems like that trust was there. And I read a wise quote once. It says, if you want to be taken seriously, become a better writer. Mm. I love that statement. But let's fast forward. How did you transition into becoming a business owner? Like, how did you go from doing the corporate, the government work, the, Mm -hmm. you know, working with various bosses with personalities to actually starting your own business? So that sort of came out of a need that I saw at work. So every year we have a huge conference and many of the corporate trainers will give presentations at those conferences, but also subject matter experts will give presentations at those conferences. And I had had the opportunity to work with several of the subject matter experts that presented at our our very annual, large annual meeting last year. And having worked with them behind the scenes, I know how brilliant they are. I know how accomplished they are. And when I saw the the videos from the presentations, none of that came through. None, None of it came through at all. It was as if, you know, someone had turned off the lights on the personality and the connection, there was, there was no connection. It was very stilted. And when I saw that, I said, you know what? This is an area of need. I've seen it in my own workplace. I'm sure that it exists in other workplaces. And this is what I love. And I would love to help people break out of that shell if the shell is, you know, what is keeping them from, from shining, you know, it's your time to shine. Or, you know, if it's a lack of confidence, if it is a lack of of experience with the medium. So last year's conference was virtual. So it was the first time that any of us, really many of us, were doing it in this sort of format. So even this format that we're doing the talk show in. Now I've done a thousand meetings and a hundred presentations like this. So I'm like, okay, I got it. <laughs> I got it. I, I feel good about it now. Well, well thanks for sharing that. Um, I hadn't thought about that. You know, when things went virtual, it was a new medium. It was a new challenge, mm-hmm. right? And if you yes. were confident in this environment, I think I actually knew a person who was a trainer who was struggling. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm used to being in the room. I'm used to engaging the people and grabbing their energy. Yeah. And she struggled when she went virtual, she just, she just couldn't feel the way. So, you know, a year and a half later, I'm going to check with her and see how that's going. So tell us about your business. Tell us, you know, the name of your business, Mm -hmm. what services you offer and tell us about that. Okay, great. Well, the name of my business is Blue Monarch Communications and I offer three 
um, three services. So the first one is called Your Path to Powerful Presenting. It is a group coaching program. And this is really targeted towards the business owners, the HR managers, folks that have teams of people who present to the public in some form or fashion, or who are salespeople, for example, or even, uh, and, and this can be sort of new, maybe less seasoned folks, but also those seasoned folks who just really struggle, like you said about your friend, uh, who really struggle with presenting or some element of public speaking. So I have a program, which is six modules, and it takes you through the, the breadth of becoming a better communicator, becoming a better public speaker and becoming a better presenter. So we talk about mindset. We talk about the mechanics of presenting. We talk about storytelling and how to structure and organize your presentation or your speech, whatever it is that you're giving. We talk about, um, you know, how to present things in maybe a different way, how to present an idea in a different way way, get someone to think about something in a different way. We talk about a lot in the Your Path to Powerful Presenting uh, group, coaching, group Coaching Program. So there's that. And then there is the Presentation Accelerator Lab. So this is for that subject matter expert, someone who's got a keynote coming up, someone who's got a major presentation coming up, whether that's to a large you know, number of people, if it's to the executive board, whatever it is. So that is a, is a is one-on-one coaching where I will work with that person, work with the client for anywhere from three to six weeks in order to help them develop this presentation or their speech or to prepare for whatever, whatever the event is. And I give them feedback, you know, um, you know, how better to organize, or you can say this in a different way, or what are you trying to convey here? Like, what's the main thing that you want people to leave with after they hear your speech or they hear your presentation? Going through all of that and working one-on-one with the person so that the end product, the end result that they create is the best that it can be. And they will be confident in presenting that information. And then the, the third one is the individual a la carte coaching. So if the presentation accelerator lab isn't really you know, fit for you, or if the your path to powerful presenting doesn't fit for you, I do offer a series of individual coaching sessions to work on whatever it is that you want to work on. So it can be, and I say it's on a subscription basis, you know, maybe you will subscribe to X number of sessions to work on these one or two or five things, whatever it is. And we work together in that way. So that's what I offer. Okay. Well, well thank you for sharing that. And we're going to share, oh my goodness, Tamika, you're fast. She just shared the <laughs> website <laughs> to, um, you guys can check out, um, Blue Mark Communications and what she offers, but let's talk about client engagement. This is mm-hmm. my favorite part, Arva, because you know, t- tell us about how you engage, you know, with your clients. For example, some people say, you know, you must have specific industry experience. And you just mm-hmm. said, hey, you worked in corporate, you worked in government, you know, but 
you know, tell us how you deal with those challenges. If you deal with someone in a new industry that you haven't worked in, what's mm-hmm. your approach? How do you kind of navigate that? So uh, as I alluded to earlier, I do like to ask a lot of questions. (laughs) So I ask a lot of questions and I listen closely. And when I encounter a client who's in an industry that I'm not familiar with, I have some work to do. I've got some research to do myself to see what can I learn about that in the sense of how is that going to affect the product that we're working on, the, the speech, the presentation, interviewing skills, you know, whatever. So I do some research for that. And then I ask the client several questions about that industry in order to inform my approach with the client. So I don't really subscribe to the, oh, well, if you work in healthcare, then you must only work with someone who has healthcare experience. I don't subscribe to that because this is a, this is a universal skill that crosses all types of industries. And um, I don't think it's necessary to hone in specifically on one. There, there are some that do, and, and that's great because that's what they've, they have eat, that's what they've eaten, slept and, and breathed <laughs> uh, their whole career, uh, which, which is good. But for me, I, I, don't, I don't really subscribe to that, um, to that line of thinking. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You know, along the line of client engagement, um, the thing that I find most important is, you know, the coaches that shadow their clients. Mm-hmm. Is that a service you offer to? And just to tell people what I mean by that question, I'm a storyteller, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I remember once I was at this company and I'm working in some very, let's call it toxic environment. It's a hard environment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I get this email. And this email is literally like, uh, I need to do something about this because, you know, I got upset, I got angry Mm -hmm. and I was like, yeah, I got to deal with this. So I've been in talk to people. I call South Carolina Rand, right? I said, Rand, what am I going to do? He said, oh yeah, you got to deal with that. You definitely got to handle that. (laughs) And I began to talk to some other people. I'm like, I need to deal with this. So I start crafting the email and I'm like, hmm, this is going to be tough. Because based on the person who's going to receive it, they were early in their career, a young lady, and I didn't want to seem like I'm some grizzly bear, mm, but she mm-hmm. kind of came at me like a grizzly bear. So I'm like, this is a tough situation. Mm-hmm. So I started talking to people, and I think it was Tamika. And Tamika's like, yep, you definitely got to deal with that, and you definitely got to deal with it directly. But I want to warn you, she's going to cry. I'm mm. like, she's going to cry? She's like, yeah, you got to send the email, just like Ren said. And you got to address it directly, but be prepared. She's going to cry. I didn't want her to cry, right? But I knew I had to deal with the situation. Mm -hmm. Got the email. She got feedback from various friends. I sent it. And of course, the next day at work, she was crying. Mm -hmm. But we dealt with the situation. It was so hard for me. I wish at that moment I had an Arva. Like I said, Arva, I need to talk to you. Um, Do you do this a la carte coaching thing? Can I call you, right? (laughs) Is that like situations you deal with sometimes? Tell us about, you know, you. Yes, that is. uh, There there are situations like that that I I deal with 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 my clients. I do have ones who will call me, you know, who are on that subscription uh, basis. And they'll say, oh, my gosh, this is what happened. Here's the email that I got. How should I respond? 
you know, again, asking the questions, you know, what's the vibe, what's going on, you know, what's the atmosphere, what's, what do you want the end result to be? And then I can say, okay, send me your draft and then we'll tweak it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you can maintain your professionalism. You can say what you need to say in a way that it can be accepted and, uh, you know, maintain the relationship if, if that's what you're looking for. Okay. Thanks for that. that that's mm -hmm. my favorite example. So let's go and talk about your approach, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, are you like some academic, you know, institution like, hey, I have this approach and you must follow this rule? What's your strategy? What's your approach when you um, engage with clients in coaching? So one of the things that my clients say is that they are always so surprised at how personalized the service is. Like they really feel that I genuinely care. And I know that sounds cliche, but that is what the clients say. So I am always looking at, okay, tell me, what do you, like, what is your, what is your end goal? At the end of our time together, how much ever time that is, what is it that for you is going to feel like success? Like you would be happy for this to be the outcome. What is that thing? So I get them to tell me that. We discuss that. Uh, again, I ask a lot of questions. I am very much known for asking a lot of questions to anyone. And many of the people that know me all, all this is they would attest to, yes, she asked a lot of questions. Um, but I take that and then tailor what uh, I offer to meet those needs. So it's always about what is it that you want to get out of this and how can I help you to get there? So always starting with the end in mind. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm pretty sure that flexibility is highly appreciated where, mm -hmm. you know, who obviously wouldn't appreciate somebody who meets them where they are. Yes. So let's talk about the topic of executive presence, you know, and I love that topic. I know when we were preparing, you're like, oh, I like that word, right? Mm -hmm. But um, let's just talk about this. I'm just going to do a Calvin's thing. You know, I was kind of doing some research on this. I'm like, okay, what does it mean, right? And, you know, I stumbled across this word rhetoric, right? And, yeah. you know, I was like, I don't like that word. I'm like, I, I hate don't that like word. word. I hate either. that word. You know? But, you know, as I begin to look into it, I begin to look at, you know, um, Cicero, right? You know, created this phrase, he says, and he defined it as this. He says, rhetoric is an art that is made up of smaller arts. And those arts are, where's my notes? Um, invention, mm -hmm. arrangement, style, memory, and delivery. Mm -hmm. In short, rhetoric is speech designed to persuade. What do you think about that? Uh, well, as you know, Calvin, I can't stand that word rhetoric. <laughs> 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 it has such a negative connotation, and especially in this day and age. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we talked about, we both have a love for words mm -hmm. and you can see the evolution of words over time. 
So, but specifically about that word, I, I don't, I don't like that word because it, it immediately conjures up negative things uh, in, in, in my thinking and in, and in many folks thinking, because when I hear the word rhetoric, I hear you're saying whatever it is that you think it will take for me to do what you want me to do, whether, whether what you're saying is true or not. That's how I view the word rhetoric. But I think you are correct. And I think Cicero, I like those five arts uh, that he mentioned in between. I think there's definitely some truth to that. And in every element of public speaking, there is some element of persuasion. So if you are like, for example, my, my job as a corporate trainer, there is some element of persuasion, even though the main focus of corporate training is to educate the audience. And particularly in what I'm doing is to educate the audience. But in addition to educating the audience, I'm asking them to look at something maybe in a little different light than how they have viewed it before. I'm asking them to, and I wish I could remember each of those uh, five, it was invention. So in, you know, invention. thinking outside the box. <clears throat> arrangement, style, right? memory, and delivery. Yes. So let's skip to delivery because I, I think that's so very important. When you are delivering a speech, when you're delivering a presentation, when you are in an interview for a job or even one like this, delivery is very key. And I think probably the most important thing is to be yourself. Don't try to be someone else because that's going to come through like you, the people miss out on something because you are so busy trying to, oh, let me fit in this box. Let me try to be, you know, what I think they want me to be. You can't be that. You have to be yourself. So that's one of the things that I like to work with with my clients is, yes, you are still going to be yourself, but a little bit better. And you're going to be yourself in these different situations. There's Arvis professional self. There's Arvis kitchen table talk self, as, uh, as Wendy Williams would say. Uh, there is uh, Arva hanging out with her friend's self. But there is continuity to all of those facets of myself. And I know when to, you know, turn on certain uh, aspects of, of that self. So delivery is key. Being yourself is key. I love, I thought today about an interview that I saw with Oprah Winfrey, who said that when she first started out in her career, she wanted to be Barbara Walters. She did everything that she could to be like Barbara Walters. But guess what? She wasn't. And when did things take off for her? When she decided, you know what, I cannot be Barbara Walters, but I can be Oprah Winfrey. I'm going to be me, and being me is going to be enough. She's shown through her, her personality, her all of that shown through. So, and she was able to connect better uh, with people. So I think you are able to connect better when you are maintaining your true self. And there are ways to, to connect with the audience through your delivery. 
and, and I talk about those things in, in the services that I offer as well. I think I sort of got off on a tangent there, but. <laughs> no, no, no worries. Um, I, I just love, you know, how we connect on that, right? We, we both don't like that word rhetoric, but the components that I love about it, the invention, the arrangement, style, memory, and delivery, those are the things that are coachable. You know, some yes. people say, well, you know, Calvin, you're good at this. You do that thing. I'm like, child, please. You know, I didn't find my voice until I was in college and I'm surrounded by all of these fancy people at Vanderbilt and, 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 and they were righteous. I mean, it was a PWI, but these people cared about the cause. And I got up to speak one time and literally nothing came out my mouth. Mm. Crickets. You know why? Because Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg had just came out and with the chronic and every word that came out of my mouth was dog, 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 dog. Oh, goodness. <laughs> when I got up to be passionate about that moment or whatever was going on in that topic in that studio body meeting, I didn't have any words. Mm. It was at that moment that I committed myself to says, Calvin, you will not be at this awesome school, this awesome university and not develop the language, the skill, this invention, arrangement, style, memory, and delivery Yes, that represents the blessing of your environment. And that's when I had to leave Snoop Dogg and them alone for a little bit so I can <laughs> develop my own you know, voice. So uh, but we're going to turn to some questions from the audience. We have tons of people here that are here to engage with you. We're going to do some questions. So hold tight. We're going to allow you to speak. We're going to allow you to um, type your questions in the chat. But the key thing here, what I would like to wrap up, Arva, mm -hmm. I love your story. I love how you went from doing a job that you were like, mm, that's not it, mm -hmm. to working with other people and says, hey, I got a voice, you know, I matter, and I know exactly what I'm doing. And after you built that, it begins to open doors for you where all of a sudden you're helping people at work and you're like, hey, mm -hmm. let me start my own company. And then after starting your own company, you're here tonight sharing with people this path to creating their own executive presence. Mm -hmm. Not some carbon copy of Barbara Walters, not some, hey, I want to be like Barbara or talk like, you know, Calvin, but I want to find my own authentic voice. Mm -hmm that allows me to develop and walk into my own executive presence. So Alba, thank you for breaking it down for us tonight. Thank you for giving us a chance to kind of meet you and get to know these things. So let's go to some questions. What questions do we have, Katie, Tamika? What is the audience thinking about? So this is definitely a topic where I'm gonna say, don't be shy because I know people are gonna be shy. This is not a topic that people want to talk about, but we're going to talk about it anyway. Let me find some faces that I know. Gia, she just dropped off there real quick. I'm about to text her like, Gia, why'd you leave when I said I'm going to find people? <laughs> she knew I was going to call her. Let's see who we got here. Um, Let's see what we got here. I see Miss Thelma on there, been patiently watching. Miss Thelma, what questions do you have? <laughs> She's muted a little bit. We may have to get it off of mute. There you go. My question is, when did you know that you had found your own voice and what you wanted to do 
and how you wanted to do it. What confirmation did you have? Well, if you're asking from the perspective of, of starting this business for Blue Monarch Communications, I would say that it started maybe, I'm going to say five years ago, and, and, and my friend is on here with me, and she, she can let me know if it was five years ago that we started working together. Uh, but I had an opportunity at work to, to lead an internal training initiative. We created this whole curriculum, and then we had a whole um, team of volunteers, and we were responsible for getting that curriculum out. And it included the training, some of which we did ourselves, others of which we coached subject matter experts on building their presentations, delivering their presentations. That was what started it. That was what started it. And fast forward after doing that work for about five years and participating in the annual conference last year and seeing some of the folks that I knew and had worked with who were, like I said before, fabulous, fabulous people. And that fabulosity, if that's a word, it didn't come out in the presentation. And that was what started the spark for me. Like, you know what? I could help people to, who are in this type of position to improve their presentation skills and their public speaking skills so that who they are and what they are can shine through. And the, the audience and the, the folks who are, are listening to the information that they're providing, they can benefit from that. So that's what, that was when I knew, like I had really settled into my role as a corporate trainer and said, you know what, I can help people with this. And, and it excited me and it still excites me. So that's how I would answer that question. So it was like the aha moment. Yes, yep. Yeah, because honestly, I had been searching for, I knew I wanted to create a business and I just had no idea around what, no idea around what, and, and had even thought of some other ideas and technically started a business around it. And every time I thought about it, I got anxiety, like debilitating anxiety. Um, it would make me sick. And when I talked to Oh, uh, my cousin about it. And she said, if it is making you that sick to just think about it, then that is the wrong business. And so okay. I scrapped that one. And a few months later, this aha moment for Blue Monarch Communications came to me. So awesome. yep, it was an aha moment. Awesome. All right. Let's see here. We got Deborah has a question. Let's see. She says, how do you pull forth the executive presence when you're working with parents and community folk? Uh-oh, we need a description in there. Are there certain <laughs> skills that should be used? Ooh, that's a good question, Deborah. Wow. She said community folk. Ooh, that's yes. a hard one right there. That you, you is go first, hard. <laughs> That is a hard one. And thank you, Grandmama, for that question. <laughs> um, 
So how do you pull forth the executive presence? Uh, when you're working with parents and community folk, I think you have to let them know that, first of all, that you care. And I know that it's not a problem for you, Grandmama. <laughs> you have to let them know that you care and that you are, you are there for them and you want the best for them. And if they know how much you care and they know that there is substance behind what you are um, what you're talking about, what you are, what you are offering, then I think it's easier for them to, um, to accept your message. So you can be, of course, competent, but I think that they need to know that you care in order for them to, um, to accept that information, to accept that advice, to accept that direction. So it's, it's more about um, them knowing that you care and going at it from that angle. Well, thanks, Aura, for that, because that was a, definitely a tough question. You said that was your grandma? Yes, this is my grandma. Oh, mm -hmm. Lord, it's, it's, it's your own family that do it to you, yep. nothing? So, <laughs> well, thank you, grandma. Well, you know, I, I would like to define that. You know, that word executive presence has always been you know, favor to me, but let me define that. And I would love to hear from some other people who found that. And I see Taisha online. I see Miss Anisha online. I see Summer, I see Lauren. And we also just had a special guest join us tonight, DJ Afro Sheen. With a name like that, y'all know she got soul. Well, else she wouldn't be here, right? So we're going to hear from DJ Afro Sheen a little later tonight. And I'm going to tell y'all, hold tight, because I want to tell y'all about next week's show. It's going to be a unique, different show. But let's talk about executive presence. Executive presence is the ability to inspire and empower others. The ability to articulate a clear vision and to work calmly in high-stress situations. Mm -hmm. I love what Arva said. She says, you know, it, it starts you know, letting them know you care. But let's go to the audience. What do you guys think about this executive presence? The ability to inspire and empower others. I'm thinking of Taisha, because Taisha does this every single day when she does her conferences and when she does, you know, working with her clients. The ability to articulate a clear vision and my favorite, work calmly in high stress situations. Thank you for joining us at Southern Soul Livestream Talk Show. Join us weekly at soullivestream.com. If you're joining us live, we'll take a quick music break and then come back for discussion with the audience. <laughs>